You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Sunday to you all. Welcome to the Helix Hour, episode two, and I think this, my guest here needs no introduction. But anyways, Billy Sheehan is back on the program. How you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Last time we spoke, uh, I, I don't think I got any uh, uh, video. Barely, a little tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we spoke anyway. I, I forgot, I think it was in Germany. You were, yeah, you were playing that evening. You were actually getting on the bus and hanging over to the venue, but you were smart and you thought about it. Let's convert, just drop over to audio and it can serve the bandwidth and we are able to save it. It was great. So thank you for that, by the way. Oh, absolutely. It was a, it was a pleasure. That was a lot of fun. And we got some great stories from you as well, too. And you were a fresh, uh, actually, that was the Mr. Big. You weren't even with Sons of Apollo then. That was the Mr. Big tour. You are correct, sir. I was thinking, who, who, which band was it? Because you're playing in so many, it's hard to keep track. Ah, it gets confusing. It does. But listen, you're back from uh, vacation. You drove back from Florida today and vacation, I think it was. And how did that go? Yeah, I went to see my sister. Uh, my, my, my sister, Marianne, she's, um, she was the, my, be- my beginning in music. She got herself a guitar because she liked uh, folk singers. She was into uh, 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 60s uh, folk scene. Gotcha. And she, she kind of lost uh, interest in it. And I was sneaking into her bedroom and take the guitar and practice my thing on it. And then eventually I got, I went past her in guitar ability, uh, acoustic guitar, before I got my first bass, of course. And uh, so she sold me the guitar for $35. Oh, wow. And I have yet as to pay her. So I, I, every time I see her, we talk about that $35 and how much interest it must have accrued by now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you had a nice trip, that's for sure. And what was the weather like? Was it considerably nicer? Uh, I know here in Canada, we're getting some nicer weather, but how was it? What was the temperature like? Uh, Florida still isn't quite warm yet, but it's pleasant. Okay. Here in, uh, I'm here in Nashville today. It's cool today, a little cloudy, but it's, it's beautiful. Everything's blooming. There's trees all over the city blooming. It's quite nice. So it's coming your way. I swear to God. <laughs> Good. I'm looking forward to it. Trust me. That's awesome. Listen, so Sons of Apollo Tour has been doing very, very well. And one of the things I was curious about was, uh, did, did it kick off really cool for you out of the gate? Or did you guys have to kind of warm up a little bit and, uh, uh, you know, get your feet? Or how was it out of the gate? Well, we had a, a, a pretty good launch, but uh, there's a couple songs that we do in the set. Um, I think it's Opus Maximus and a few others. But there's some stuff in there that's really hard to play. Yeah. And uh, one section of Opus Maximus is a, it's a, uh, I think it's 11, 11, 11, 9, 11, 9, 11, 9. Okay. So uh, that, that, that's, that's the count for it. And it's, it's, it's just a tough thing to wrap your head around. And uh, oddly enough, because Mike Portnoy is my go-to guy. If I don't know where I am in a song or I, I don't know what part I just, I turn to Mike and he'll look at me and go, chorus, you know, and he'll tell, tell me, you know. Two choruses. Kind of, I look over. Is it? Is there another chorus coming up? And you go, two, second chorus. Okay, because he, he always knows where he is, and he always knows the song inside and out. For the first time I've ever seen him stumped ever. It was in that song because we're in the middle of it, and I, if you miss one, you are doomed because there's really no way to recover. There is now. We're more used to it. Yeah. But a couple of times we uh, we're looking at each other and we're knowing, 
I, I know you're not on it. And he said, I know you're not on it either. So <laughs> we'll, we'll meet you at the turnaround. So it was uh, some tough stuff to play, but uh, I liked it because uh, it's a, I like a challenge. I think it makes a musician a better player to be challenged by something that's hard to do. It keeps you on your toes 100% for sure. 100%. <laughs> a man, oh man. I'm gonna, in a second here, I'm going to switch the screen because I'm getting some notes that I've got a delay in my webcam. So I'm going to try and fix that, but we'll salvage that as we go. But let's have a quick look over the chat for a second. There's some people jumping in already as well as two. Is, uh, Richard Henry's here, actually from over in Ireland, I believe, saying, hey, Eric and, and Billy, can't wait to see uh, Billy in Belfast in July. Poison Beautiful. Ivy is here saying, hey, all DJ Asterisk. Hey, guys, you rock, Billy. Joseph Sherman, hello from Colorado. Uh, AVH Leopard, Billy Sheen is awesome. One of my favorite all-time players. Carlos Santin from Canada here. Wow, Billy Sheen is amazing. Thank you, Billy, for doing this. The Helix is incredible. Uh, Dirty Apes, Inc., hello from uh, Bozeman, Montana. Frank Rashad, who's a fellow I think you know very well, um, and I know very well from Line 6, saying, hey, guys, yes. Billy. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Cannot say enough about Frank. Jim Hickey Music, Charlotte, North Carolina, checking in. Frank McNeil, woohoo, my favorite bass player, hardest working player in the business. What's up, Billy? And thanks so much for hanging out on Eric's show with us. Uh, good question from Frank. Uh, where is Spooky? Spooky uh, is in not in the best uh, circumstance. My sister uh, has a dog, and Spooky despises all life forms other than human. And uh, so she uh, is uh, now in the bedroom, uh, under the bed, won't come out. But she, but last night when she actually met the dog, she stood her ground. Spooky's just a little thing, about six pounds, yeah. eight years old, sweet little female black cat. And the dog is a golden retriever. And the dog was all excited and happy. And the dog froze because cats got this weird thing with the way they look. You've, seen, you've probably seen the videos on the uh, Internet where there's dogs trying to go down the stairs and the cats are just sitting there looking at it, and the dog goes in a complete <laughs> fear there's something about the look of a cat that just does it to a dog <laughs> so spooky just looked at him and just lunged a little bit and the dog ran away and the dog outweighs spooky by 59 pounds <laughs> so uh, but but she stood her ground but she just doesn't want any part of it so now she's she's up under the bed we'll we'll, we'll deal with her in a bit <laughs> That's awesome. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, this was something that was really cool. Like, I mean, looking back, I saw some of the posts that you've shared and some of the fans of some of your fan pages sharing the old Talus pictures and things like that, like some massive, massive PAs and the things that you had back in the day and a lot of the rock bands, like these PA systems that were just towering, backline was towering. Did you ever foresee the day that you'd have a small metal, relatively small metal box that would deliver a sound that used to take trucks to carry? It did take trucks to carry. That's exactly right. Uh, I've got, I think I posted here and I'll post again uh, photos of uh, my amp as it was. And I started very early on to use pro audio gear. So to those that don't know, it's called rack mountable. Mm -hmm. They're all the same size and they mount in a rack. Uh, And I had, uh, I I may have been, not that it has any worth or value. I may have been the first guy using uh, rack gear. Uh, on stage, or at least one of them, I'm sure, because we started way early 70s, before some of the companies that make racks now even started making them. Mm-hmm. The only ones to get were, were, were by a company called Bud, and they used to make little experiment metal boxes for electronics guys, and they made Bud racks, and they were all metal, and they weighed a ton, and uh, that, that was our those, those were our first racks of gear, and it was, it was pretty amazing. But no, I never thought that uh, we'd ever be able to get to this point 
But I had as my quest way early on to get the tone I wanted to get at line level. What that means is the uninitiated. That means uh, normally on a guitar amplifier, the output is a lot of voltage and it's designed to run speakers, mm -hmm. as you very much know. Uh, but uh, if you could get it at line level, at the level that of the output of uh, that the Helix is now, that's line level, mm -hmm. you could put it into any power amp and get the same sound at any volume. So that was my quest for a long time, to be able to get that tone without having to rely on uh, preamp and power amp to make the sound, because the power amp is a lot to do, especially for guitar players, yeah. with the, how the guitar responds. Yep. Exactly. So early on, that was the quest, and that's how much gear it took to get that, because I did actually have it line level, and I had uh, attenuators on the inputs of the power amp, so I could, if it was too loud, I could turn it down and get the exact same scream and distortion, harmonics, everything, but at whisper volume, and that was always the goal. And it took three, rack, the rack was taller than I am. There's photos of me reaching up in the air, <laughs> adjusting it. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I never thought we'd get down to this point when I think the first company that started to sound like it was uh, possible was Zoom. Zoom made their oh, yeah, yeah. box. Mm -hmm. And it went on your strap at first, and they made like a half rack one. And that was pretty good. Uh, but when you plugged it into a full-on amp and turned it up loud, it just it was um, uh, unfortunate. Maybe if you tweaked forever, you could get something out of it. But I I, I kind of lost patience with it. Yep. Then last six were the first I believe to come out with any modeling uh, with a pod. Yes, and that, and that attracted a lot of people. It just sounded great. As a matter of fact, I just saw YouTube video where a guy took a, one of the original pods and put it up against all the other uh, modeling uh, uh, gear, the camper and the fractal and another one I wasn't familiar with. It was a pretty interesting comparison that it sounded, still sounded pretty good, <laughs> even though it's 20 some years old. So was, uh, was it the peers that you were trying to replace and that it kind of brought you to line six? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, I had, um, I didn't want to take the Pierce on the road anymore because I've, I've had a couple of them get horribly beaten up. And luckily, I have a guy that can fix them, a guy named Kurt Emery out of the Bay Area. I uh, did a wonderful job fixing them and bringing them up to speed. But I'm not sure how long he's going to be interested in doing that for people. So, well, if, if he retires or goes somewhere else, I, I, I'm in trouble. So I wanted to read the, the Pierce. And I, the EBS pedals were working great. It took a lot of other pedals and a lot of things to make everything function, but it was a pretty good simulation of the Pierce. Not not perfect, but pretty good, usable, and I like it a lot. Uh, and then, then when I uh, went to Line 6 and, and asked them about modeling the Pierce, and they did it, now that we have it, I still use the EBS in a uh, center return. Okay. Because I just fell in love with it so much, I, I can't, I, I don't want to be without it anymore, so I, <laughs> Since I don't use the foot pedal on the on the uh, uh, helix, I just sit it on top of there and have it, have it in, in and out of one of the uh, send returns mm -hmm. and it's an on off switch for it uh, uh, program. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but now that we have the Pierce in here, uh, and I, there's a lot of guys online that are doing uh, serious tweaks. I'm not sure if he's watching, but a dear friend of mine, a guy named John Willis, he's uh, always on the uh, uh, Facebook Yamaha Attitude Base page. There's, a, there's a, a whole bunch of guys there. We all exchange uh, 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 ideas about the bass itself, but also about other things that you plug into the amps and, and of course, now the Helix. And John has made some amazing patches and has some incredible advice. And he's done a lot of 
deep, deep research into setting patches up. So uh, he's been a big help to me also. But uh, yeah, now we got the whole thing in a little box. It's uh, quite amazing. Pretty, pretty incredible. I saw and, it. and loud, it's it's great. The first time I used it, we were in uh, we were doing a Mr. Big show at the Canyon Club in uh, Los Angeles, <clears throat> outside Los Angeles in Thousand Oaks, and uh, I wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to just go cold turkey. I, you know, I want to do rehearsals and a couple sound checks. And I thought, all right, I'm going for it. Why not? I'm gonna. I'm jump. I'm I'm gonna dive in, and <laughs> the guys in the band were looking over at me during the show. Like I said afterwards, that man, it sounded amazing because it was just everything the way it was supposed to be. And we got a couple bonus extra cool things. The low end, as as you know, I got a low, yeah. sorry, and then a high. That are the two different tones. The low end was so tight and so fast. Every note started and stopped with complete distinction. Oh, nice. And, and, and oddly enough, and a lot of people aren't going to believe this, but oddly enough, the better I hear myself, the less I play. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just just hanging on that groove, like, whoa, every every note with the bass drum, not much fancy schmancy nonsense at all. But, but it was so, it was just, what a great night. And in the solo, everything I was doing was working. And it, right in the middle of this one big long thing that I do up and down, then I got just I just stopped. Like <laughs> that's it. It's just it's all it's all working. I'm I'm happy. You Pretty know, amazing. You know what I'm thinking is the guys in the band are probably looking at you thinking, oh, something's wrong with Billy. He's not comfortable. He's not playing. Meanwhile, you're in your zone and totally totally comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. Well, you can see, my, see the look on my face and the look on the band's face. Everybody, it was just it was just a great night. And uh, you know, I'd like to clarify uh, also right up front. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, I endorse a lot of gear. I only endorse stuff I really believe in. Yes. I don't. I don't. I'm not paid to endorse anything. Mm-hmm. I get a royalty on some designs that I've done, mm-hmm. like a design space. But the the amount is a pittance. It's not much at all. From EBS, I got a, a royalty, very small amount of money, but nevertheless, uh, for for a design idea, of course, you're compensated for, like everyone sure. would be. Of course. But I don't get paid to uh, endorse. Uh, the Helix. And I've also, I know a lot of times on the internet, uh, it turns into a bone of contention where the Helix, no Kemper, no Fractal, no, this new song, I see you, you know, and, and they're all really great. I had a Kemper, it was fantastic. I had a Fractal, beautiful, amazing piece of gear. Uh, so uh, I, I, I hate to do that gear to gear. Oh, yeah, of I have, I have to use the Helix. I love it. Uh, if you use something different, God bless you. That's great. Uh, viva la difference. That's right. Okay. And even even the staff at Line Six, I've, I was really impressed with all of those guys. How you know they they don't say you have to use our product and it's only our product. They it's a tool to integrate into your rig, whether uh, they want you to use your tube amps. I mean, they have the best tube amps available to do the modeling, but they really want it to be part of your lifestyle. It's just a tool in your toolkit. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. All is the bass, the strings, the pickups, everything is. You know, I. Uh, we see people at each other's throats on the internet about everything. So, you know, if they can be at each other's throats about one less thing, we've mission accomplished. Well, it's the same, <laughs> same thing as bands. You have to like Rush. You can only like Rush. You can't like this band. And if you like this band, you suck. You know what I mean? It's like, well, Rush is a good band. This is a good band. Van Halen's a good band. David Ross is a good band. You know what I mean? Yeah, we try. We'll keep fighting the good fight there to make that uh, make it less contentious. That's right. That's right. So, how do you? Uh, I'd like to kind of get in the, in the in your mindset. How do you integrate the Helix into your live rig? 
Uh, well, uh, as you may or may not know, I use the Harky stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harky, uh, their new high drive speakers, they, they're pretty JBL-ish to me. And I, I, I use JBL 15s for most of my life. I use them. That's the first amp I had, a Fender Super Basement with uh, two 15s, and then I got a second cabinet. Then when the SVT came out, it was 810s, but I used them for a while, and the company went out of business, and uh, uh, this was in the uh, 70s. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love the SVTs, there's inherently a lot of problems. <clears throat> you see this with a lot of situations. The, the ride in the back of a van or a trailer, the heads, the, the, the uh, inside the tubes, all the filaments, they shake and rattle and roll and break off. And uh, the amps could sound very different night to night, depending on how they were treated. Uh, the speakers would blow all the time for me because I was using a high distortion kind of thing. And they would, uh, I'd have to get them reconed constantly. So the, between the rebiasing the tubes and retubing and re speaker reconing, uh, and I, I didn't even own a car until I was 25. Oh wow! Because I spent all my money on gear. <laughs> so uh, it was. So when I finally went back and began to do the pro rack mount stuff that I had mentioned earlier, I went with power amps and speakers, and the JBLs were were the speakers for me. Is that at the time JBL? What's the best speaker? The JBL. Of that's, that's all. You know, there was electric voice was good. Was, the Altex were nice, but JBL was kind of really sounded great. So I went with that. So I, I was kind of enamored of that sound. So the new high drives, I'm not even sure if they make those the JBL 15s anymore for musical instruments. They may. I, I'm, I'm familiar with the company. They've gone out of the pro audio thing pretty much, okay. I believe. But uh, as far as I know, so correct me if I'm wrong. Do you uh, but uh, the uh, so the new high drive uh, speakers. They sound a lot like that because they've got paper and the JBLs had the aluminum cone in the middle, which is always a source of trouble because if it, if it got dinged, uh, it could split open and it could be the end of the. Sometimes you'd have to rip the whole thing out in order to, so it won't, wouldn't rattle if you, yes. if you got it. It was, a, it was a, the good old days. I could write a book on all the, all the we used to go through to keep our gear uh, functional. So the new high drives sound like that, and I uh, use the LH-1000 uh, heads. I use it flat, and flat on a LH-1000 is odd. The bass is pretty much off, treble, uh, treble is pretty much off, and the mid is all the way up, and that's flat. So uh, if I need more mid, I really can't get it out of the amp. So the amp is basically uh, just a flat. We lost Billy there temporarily. Hopefully we'll have him back. We'll try here momentarily. All right, we're back. I think we're back. <laughs> At least I All hope right. we're back. We're going to jump over. We got Billy back on his phone. We had some bad uh, connection problems on one of our ends, maybe even both. But we're back. And Billy, we're just going to take it over. I know fans want to hear you play. So you've got the Helix hooked up. I'm going to change over to your screen and just give us some of your favorite little uh, patches that you've got there. Well, I'll show you kind of how I... Uh, I'll move the phone over to the... Uh thing here it may be better uh so here's uh can you see that patch yep sorry i can't now i can't hear you boy i'll tell you this is a it's been quite a day it here has, it has. <laughs> no problem hold on a second i see if i can get you plugged back in sure so i can hear what you're saying how's that yeah testing one two you got me yeah okay. so you can see the patch 
It says uh, 03C bill preset 3H910 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What that is, is uh, it's my standard uh, little setup. I added a 910 harmonizer sound to it. That was the original uh, model of the Eventide harmonizer I used to have. Uh, as I scroll through these, I was just fooling around with that preset today. Uh, Bill preset three, new EU. That was when I first yeah. did the European tour. So you can tour. see the pattern. I did a new preset for the EU. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple variations of it. Uh, some are just uh, numbered uh, with designations and what have you. Uh, later on, there's an experimental preset here. Here's the EBS uh, setup, which has uh, the uh, in and out uh, for the EBS pedal. Uh, here is a John Willis uh, patch and another one okay. where he get, he tried to get the uh, sound of the uh, bass solo I did on the Talus Sink Your Teeth into that album, uh, NV433345. And uh, it's pretty pretty darn good. I'll, I'll I can't hold the phone and do both. So what I'll do is I'll <laughs> down. Okay. I hope. And uh, so it's got a little bit of that. So it's a real kind of a clean, but it's got a, a sharpness to it. A lot of compression. Uh, one of the one of the things I notice is the most uh, uh, tweakable thing is when you're actually in a room live, loud with an amp, things are going to be way different. Sure. So uh, I'm sitting in here, my home studio, doing a lot of tweaks on things, and uh, they may be utterly useless when I actually <laughs> plug it into it loud. And that's something you always got to take in, into consideration. Now, unfortunately, due to my schedule, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and finalize a lot of these patches because uh, as people are watching may not know you had asked if i would be willing to give you guys a patch to give away and i will but they're just not really done yet mm-hmm. so uh mm-hmm. when, when they are when they're fully tweaked out i'll be happy to because i i I'm, uh, i have a couple other guys that have shared john willis i mentioned uh, shared some great patches with me so i feel uh, uh happy about uh, sharing them with others uh and uh Generally, uh, for a uh, patch of mine, I start with the Pierce uh, preamp, and uh, let me get back to the uh, one I had before. The Pierce preamp, and I've got it on uh, this distortion. I turn the distortion off. This is good for kind of a chordal. Like a Jocko. Yeah. Or however that goes, uh, uh, and uh, so uh, and then I also do two things uh, in almost every patch I have is the uh, octave up. Low is on the low bassy pickup. Okay. The octave up is on the high distortion pickup. 
So you just get this huge, wide-range, giant thing. So at the end of a song, they really want some monstrous uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex kind of tone. It's a, it's, it's, it, it, it will do that. Also, on a couple of the other ones, I have a um, uh, rotating speaker. Oh, yeah, like a Leslie or yeah, rot- yeah, okay. Yeah, which I always loved, and I always had mercy on my crew to not have to bring, <laughs> bring Leslie on the gig. I always say, uh, you know, bring in furniture uh, to put up on stage, basically the big giant wooden thing. Yeah, and a couple of made uh, portable versions of them through the years, but I just never got around to it. But it's a sound that I really like. And there's a, they had just on, on the newest update released a zillion other uh, pedals and effects. I know. So much scrolling through them has been a blast. And there's a boost comp, which really sounds great uh, overall on the higher frequencies that I've been experimenting with. So basically, yeah, I'll start with the uh, Pierce preamp, uh, the uh, pitch effects, octave up, octave down. Oh, uh, the uh, uh, H910. Kind of hard to tell unless you're in stereo. Yeah. It's kind of it's got that it's a, a little bit of a, a couple milliseconds of delay on latency. It. Yeah. Yeah. So it tightens it up and yeah. gives it. A, I used to do that in my original rig back in the days. I had an H910, had a, a, a power amp. One side went straight, and the other side went had the H910 on it, so the two speakers would be a little bit off in time. Delay. And then. And then when you put it on, uh, the setting is one, at 100, it's, it's unison. At 101, it's just a little bit off to give it a waiver. A waiver. So we tried to get the one to blink, so it wasn't even one yet. Okay. So we just got the thing and get it just a little bit. So you get that stereo chorus, true stereo chorusing, by having two uh, speakers do something completely different. I like that. So, uh, so that's, that's a little bit of an overview. Okay. I hope that's. No, that helps a lot. Here's here's a question. With your Yamaha bass, like I don't know a lot about basses. I actually went live earlier this afternoon and played bass, which was really embarrassing, but actually some people liked it just because I was inspired that you were coming on today. And uh, with your Yamaha bass, I'm watching a lot of your interviews. You've got the dual output, so you've got one that goes to one rig that's really brittle and kind of guitarish, and your other yes. rig is your low, super low sub-frequencies. Now, you mentioned earlier that you don't use the volume pedal much on the Helix, but there's some templates that are built into there. Maybe you've already used them, like kind of starter templates, where you can do a blend and you can assign it to the expression pedal. So I could, in, in essence, you could build Billy's rig, you know, with the distortion rig on one and then the clean rig. And then by the expression pedal, you could bring in how much of you want of either. Have you tried that at all? I haven't. I, unfortunately, I'm kind of a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. Most of my uh, uh, blending comes right here. Right. Okay. So you can do it naturally. Yeah. So, so for me, uh, when I got to pull the distortion down in the, in the body of a song, or in, in a, a, you know, where, where it's just would be too overwhelming, I just back it down here, or turn the distortion off. Right. So, as a, as a, not an octave. Okay. Uh, well, what you could do though, I, I have an idea what could actually work. So you could still have the what you do there, controlling it on your bass. You could run uh, one of your pickup outputs to the guitar input on the Helix and possibly the second one to the auxiliary create yeah. and, and here again I'm not a helix guru yet I don't and I'm I, I'm just guessing here yeah. but the first path you would assign that input as guitar second path uh, be uh, the auxiliary and then have your distortion amp on the bottom clean one on top and you could still control your bass like you do normally it'd be like running to your big rigs on stage so that might be worth trying yeah something like that might be worth uh, one other problem I have is I keep this up on the amp I don't have it on the floor oh <laughs> there the yeah, so there you go yeah 
And, and that came from, I'll try and get a better angle, if you can see it a little bit better. That, yeah. the, that came from years and years ago. I, uh, I had a Delta Labs prime time, real expensive uh, uh, time base effect, and it had a pedal. And the pedal went out to the front with me. Okay. And sure enough, one of the first nights I ever used it got stolen. Oh, and uh, and I, I and I and I hated the idea of running since I was on pro audio gear was at the rack. There was no opportunity to run, and they didn't have any kind of path thing you could run up front. I would have had to do an output, run it all the way up to the mic and back. And to me, by that time, it would have been noise and and hum and buzz and stuff like that. So I always went back to the amp to do any tone changes. And also, you know, <laughs> that's okay. What a what a what a, all hell's breaking loose. It's all good, man. We're recovering. It's all good. I apologize, everybody. But uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and the, the other inadvertent. Uh, oh, jeepers! This is mind blowing. <laughs> this is awesome. Let's get a glass of wine and celebrate. This is perfect. I right. got to get a. Anyway, the inadvertent good effect it had was that it stopped me from using a lot of effects because I. I it for me the effects are. Uh, they sometimes get in the way, and, and sure. here's, here's one of my points. Now, here I am talking about the helix, which is a load of the zillion effect. <laughs> but I guess hear me out. Um, when I see a guy with a pedal board, uh, some people will agree with this. Some people will, may get upset with me a little bit. I apologize if that's the case. The guy with a giant pedal board, and I see him up on stage, he's playing, and he's looking down the whole time. And he steps on this, he steps on that, he steps on this, he steps on the other thing, he steps on this, he seems to bend down and adjust something, stand up again, bend as it. I'm not, I don't hear any difference. Right. I don't hear anything. So in the audience, I'm going, what is, what is he actually doing? And also, it looks like he's doing a lot, but I'm not really hearing any difference. So I do believe, of course, that's not true. In all, no, I know, cases. I know what you're saying. And I'm a slight exaggeration for a fact. But I, I, I like to try to get everything I can with hands and amp without a lot of changes. Sure. Now, I know. Don't stupid coming for me because I have the amp so tweaked out and there's so much into it. But uh, it, it, it just, I, I, I try to avoid getting into a lot of effects that go on and off. So that's why it's just distortion on and off. On Eat'em Smile Tour, uh, we uh, Steve had the new, uh, uh, who's the guy who did the first uh, MIDI pedal board for? Bradshaw? Uh, yeah, he had a Bradshaw rig. Yep. It was great. Uh, unfortunately, if you lose power, all the patches go away, and you got to reprogram the whole yeah. thing from school. So uh, his poor crew guy, uh, Elwood, was an amazing guy. I think he works for Billy Gibbons now, or he did for a while. But way back then, uh, uh, we'd be over on my side of the stage, and I'd have, out of the Pierce preamp, one switch in a box, and it said, distortion on, distortion off. Oh, wow. And that was the only thing I, I had. And over on C's side of the stage, he had a big box, and we saw a complete chaos and panic over there all the time, running back and forth and reprogramming. And it, just, it was hellacious. Poor Elwood uh, was just run ragged by uh, trying to keep up with all that. So we uh, we kind of we, we made it a laughing matter. We'd be over there with our little our little cocktail and, our, and with the umbrella, and it, how's it going on your side of the stage? Oh jeez! Starting on, starting off. That's all we had. Yeah. So so. Uh, you know, and everybody should do their own thing, how they like it, and what's best for them. If your pedal board is your thing, and you feel right, and you, you like the way it sounds, I'm with you 100%. But uh, I just try to 
remove myself and what I do as a player away from getting too dependent on a lot of switching on and off mm-hmm. in the body of a song. I'll, okay, I'll shut up now. No, I, I, like, <laughs> I like that. That's very good advice for people. And that's the thing, too. Sometimes you rely on technology too much. Today was an example. You know, We kind of had some, some snafus here. But if you get, get a sound that you like, and that's one of the things I also like about the HX effects, I haven't really talked to too many people using them in the bass world yet, uh, like you know, the small multifex. But, I mean, what's really nice with that, you could go out and take a smaller brain like that and have, like, I'm, I'm going to use a guitar player, for example, now. Um, I'm not sure what effects you would use for bass, but there's great ones in there. Um, but, you know, chorus, reverb, delays, uh, hook up an expression pedal, you got your waz, and you got basically a whole pedal board and a very small footprint, uh, you know? It's so great. Uh, the uh, advantage, uh, one of the problems we had with a lot of gear is we got to fly over oceans to yeah. go to other countries. And I can remember forty thousand uh, dollar cartage bills yes. just to get the gear there. Yeah, unreal. Uh, now, uh, I did a gig in uh, Rochester, New York, with a version two Talus. Uh, Phil Narrow, you know Phil, he, he lives on a vocalist. He lives up in Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I went there with a, I had a suitcase with the Helix in it. And in the and the helix comes in a uh, like a knapsack bag. Yes. In the knapsack bag, I had the two uh, wireless transmitters and receivers, mm-hmm. and that was it. They provided me with the uh, uh, Hartke amps. So I walked in with my bass and a suitcase, and we were I was done. So the, it, actually, I can probably get that to Europe for free because they allow you two check bags. So I, yeah. my regular luggage with my clothes, the suitcase with my helix. And then when I get there, usually that's the deal I have worked out with uh, Hardkey, which is very helpful. Is that in various countries and territories, they supply me with what I need, and uh, so I just walk in with that, plug in, we're ready to go, fantastic. So, with a, with zero extra money, I can get all my stuff where I where I have to go. That's important, and I see a lot of guitar players talking about you know we, uh, we're talking about different pedal boards and things in the past on my show. And they were talking about 50 pounds. Was this magic number 50 pounds? Is it 50 pounds and then they, they start charging you? Is that what it is? Do you know offhand? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I've been at the check-in counter where they will not let it on board. If it's, and if you can't move stuff around to other suitcases, you've you got to have somebody run out of the airport try and buy a suitcase somewhere. Oh, jeez. We've had amazing situations. Not too long ago with Mr. Big, we had a... I think it was Aer Lingus, I'll mention their name, mm-hmm. was going to charge us $14,000 for all the, all our extra care. Now, we had a lot of stuff. Yeah. We we, we had you know a monitor rig, and uh, an in-ear monitor rig. We had a couple of, uh, we had a bunch of guitars, a bunch of stuff, snare drums, things like that. A lot of stuff, nothing overweight, but a lot of, lot of luggage extra. It was going to be uh, $13,000 or $14,000. I'm not sure what the uh, tour manager got them down to eventually, but they negotiate like crazy. Then we played in Indonesia. And the, the sweet uh, woman behind the counter just wanted a photo with the band. Oh. She put everything on for free. So oh, beautiful. There's a dynamic range of variability on how what, what you're going to go through when you get on an airplane. Exactly. And the thing. No recourse. You can do nothing. There's no one you can complain to. Nope. If they say no, you're, you're, you you got no gig. So right. it's got to try to keep that in, in mind. And the Helix has been helpful for me because I can just... Pop it in a suitcase. Actually, I got it in a Pelican, and I have I have an I take a spare one with me that's in a suitcase. So just I'm, in case. I'm, yeah, just in case. Exactly. All puns intended. 
<laughs> they, that's a good one. I wasn't even thinking that way. I'm a little slow sometimes. Um, <laughs> one of the things, too, like through the groups and that, and I see Frank from Line 6, uh, who's a good friend of mine. He shares a lot of stuff. He's been sharing a lot of base love lately when it comes to Helix. And I think that's awesome. And, and I think there's a lot of... Uh, Kind of, I don't want to say stereotyping, but maybe stereotyping. A lot of people stereotype that it's, okay, Helix is just for guitar players. And what what advice can you say to bass players that are on the fence? Maybe the guitar player might have one in the band, and he's looking over there. He or she's looking over to see what this Helix thing is over here. What would you recommend that could be uh, or say that to bassists that there's something waiting out there for them? Well, I know a lot of bass players that do use it. Uh, Philip Bino had one a uh, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I think when they first. And Steve Vai's bass player, wonderful player, great player, and a wonderful guy, and uh, great tone uh, also on stage. Uh, it, it goes back a long way uh, the, to try and create a difference between bass and guitar. Bass, you, you got a lot more low frequency, so you want you're going to need a lot more. The, uh, it's it's the woofer compared to the tweeter. The tweeter doesn't take as much power to do what it does. The woofer takes a lot more power to do what it does. So when you split things up frequency wise, the bass amp's going to probably specialize more in low and low mids, where mm-hmm. a, a guitar amp is going to be more broad range. So uh, I played through uh, a lot of guitar amps through the years, like a straight-up 100-watt Marshall. Yeah. I, I saw a couple gigs that just plug in, and it's great. This is John Wetton tone completely. I love his tone so <laughs> much. So it's great. Now, you might not have enough low end that you really need. That's, again, why I do the double thing. I've always got that super deep low end. So no matter what comes out of this, I'm, I'm back, I am I'm got back up with that. Yeah. So that's helpful. But uh, I, I'm so glad that uh, Line 6 has a lot of bass stuff in there. And I'm talking with them about uh, more bass things. Good. So hopefully you could walk into a session and everything that you would normally need pro audio to plug your bass in, like high-end compressors and incredible EQs and all that, wouldn't it be great if it was all in the Helix? So I'm, I'm hopefully we, we make it to a point where they, that stuff gets in there. There's always things in motion down the pipeline, and they very rarely tell me what it is. So I, I, I hope one, that's one of the things. But And then again, uh, I think we spoke before about the keyboards. Yeah, with Derek. Yeah, so Derek Cherini is on stage, and uh, and he's got all these pedals underneath him, and if a chord breaks, there's always the, you know, like, yeah. you know, trying to, and so I said, well, yeah, so I took one of my my spare Helix over, plugged him in, I go, okay, straight up Marshall, that's what you want, okay, so I got a straight up Marshall, and I go, check it out, he goes, wow, that's that's pretty amazing, and he, he uh, had never tried the modeling stuff before, so I, from what I understand, he's uh, checking it out now, I haven't heard the verdict yet, but uh, I'm I'm very pleased to see him do that because it's going to make his life easier. It will all the all the pedals you need and uh, amps up uh, again uh, impulse responses speaker cabinets what mics you got on them everything. The only problem for a lot of uh, beginner players that aren't uh, experienced gear troubleshooters, there's so much stuff that you can end up in a big deep hole. So uh, that's why I'm glad a lot of people are doing uh, YouTube uh, videos. Yes. Uh, Giving you a basic patch, and and the patches that are that come with it, the basic patches are are, are good and they're helpful. That's right. So, it's it's a uh, my generation. I'm an old man, so my generation was uh, we grew up with no. There was no crew and no tax and no nothing. It was no. you and a soldering iron on the gig, and if something went wrong, you had to figure it out. I used to um, uh, subscribe to uh, DB magazine and all the high end audio stuff. 
just to try and learn more about audio and the words uh, that they use and uh, uh, the uh, concepts. So when I was talking with an engineer, if I were, was lucky enough to find one, I'd be able to speak kind of his language. And that was always helpful to me. But we always had to do our own stuff. So we, we, we learned a lot more than we need to know now. We don't really even need to know that stuff no. now. But it really isn't handy when you're programming and you want to uh, understand the difference between things that are a little bit more abstract. That's right, and you know it's right. Uh, one of the one of the fans that's in the uh, chat here today, Jason Sedites, he's great with uh, Line Six. He's well respected in the community. You may have actually seen him through the groups. He's coming on the show next week, but he his logic when it comes to creating patches, just like you said, having an understanding of what happens in the real world really does translate over to Helix. So you need to understand routing a little bit. You don't have to be a you know uh, you know Bill Nye the Science Guy, but you do have to have some understanding of a loop. Uh, you know the, the signal paths flow. How preamps work, you know, power amps, cabinets, IRs. As long as you have an, a, a, a general understanding, you can probably move over to Helix and, you know, hit the ground running. Yeah, and also the uh, people do exchange patches too. Oh, which it's is great! Helpful. It sure does. So I, I plan on uh, when they're tweaked out and ready to go, I I'll make them available to everyone I can. I, I'm happy to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I, sometimes people will write to me, you know, I got a compressor, of course, an EQ, or this or that, and that or which which goes where. I'm using the compressor first now. I go, well, hold on a second. Yeah. No, you can use the compressor first in line. There's no, there's no real rules here. You're right. going to get, you know, but the, the, the general agreed upon audio signal path has the compression at the end yes. of the chain. So now that's just one example, just compression. Where does the EQ go? Yeah. Where where would distortion go? Maybe you might get some cool new way of doing it by doing the distortion last yep. or or in the middle or with something else. So that's why even as an experimental level, if you really want to get into some crazy-ass ways of, of processing a guitar, you save yourself a lot of trouble plugging things in because you just you just click on it and it's ready to go and you get in the same sensation. So, uh, yeah, that signal, signal chain... There's some standard things that you should generally follow, mm -hmm. but uh, I do think it's important for people to know that uh, there really isn't any rule to it. No, there's there's a guideline, but yeah, not a real kind one. of like, like it applies even to like things like photography and things like that, and anything in life. Kind of there are some kind of they're not necessarily you know rules that we have to follow, but a rule of thumb, and then know the rules, and then then you can break them. But you should just kind of understand some some basics first. And you know, one thing I think you could probably point out to Derek, I think he'd probably like this, because when he was on the show before, when all you guys from the band were on, you know, he's really into the Van Halen thing, which was cool to have him on the show. He's using the MXR, Eddie Flangers, and the Phase 90s, and all that kind of stuff. With the Helix, obviously, they have they, they're a very good script, uh, you know, the script uh, Phase 90. They've got the MXR Flanger. But I think what would really benefit him is the Helix Rack. And the only reason why I'm saying that is he could have it so he could physically see the rack. It might be a little difficult for him with the floor unit underneath the keyboards and things like that. If he had the rack, yeah, rack with the floor controller so he can actually yeah. see what he's doing, I think he would love that. I could really see that working for him. Great, yeah. I might actually, uh, when I'm done tweaking everything, I mm -hmm. might actually put the rack myself. You uh, like just it. Because, because I can now have at least something on the floor to step on if I do do want to change things around because I may get up to a point where I do want to make some right now I go back to the, to the thing and just and just yeah smack back the foot switch with my hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, of course pretty goofy but uh, it, it's working for me now but yeah that's the, the rack mount one is uh they're, they're identical I have an LT here too you can't see this off camera but uh I uh, uh I, I'm so used to everything I can see on the standard floor mm -hmm. model 
kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah, I think it's nice. I think it's nice that they're all so neat. You know, like from from the floor unit, from the helix floor to the rack to the obviously, like you say, the LT. They all have kind of their pluses and minuses. I really like the expression pedal on the LT. It's very comfortable. Um, and then, of course, the HX effects. There's so many different options. I want to actually get an LT for Junior here soon because I think it would be a good one for him to have without necessarily. He doesn't necessarily need the scribble strips. But they're a great unit. But you will like the rack. I think it'll really benefit you. Yeah, I have one, and uh, I have it in my rehearsal room. And oh, I do. Okay. But now that I'm in Nashville, I don't get get a chance to go there. I'm waiting to get it all shipped out here. So I uh, I will I'll, I'll be on it soon. <laughs> That's good. I'm really glad to hear though too that you're working closely with the team and kind of encouraging them to do uh, more bass stuff too, because we're seeing more and more bassists really embracing it. And uh, you know if it, if stuff's there for them, I mean why not, right? Great, and it does have great compression in it. I use a crossover, so there's a there's a low pass high pass filter, which is what a crossover basically yeah. is. Uh, that, that does my crossover uh, points perfectly. Uh, so, and a bass player just going in straight, you could cross over and split the two things high to low. If you wanted to use a biamp setup, uh, the uh, rotary effect is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you didn't, if you're, if you just want to get kind of a split tone without having the Yamaha thing and the double output, you can mimic that and do two outputs from it into two amps and use the helix as your point to get uh, one sound. This uh, distorted guitarish or or clear, clean and clear high end uh, out of one amp and super deep low end out of another amp, and it all occurs within the helix. So, in fact, it probably would be a smarter way to do it than how I do it. But I'm just so used to <laughs> no, of course, uh, kind of part of my uh, part of my my uh, no, DNA. You, you made that you made that your thing. That was awesome the way you did that. I mean, from all the bands you played in, you you were fully in control. You were your own sound man at your base. Yeah, it's uh, very helpful to be able to do that. Very it's, helpful. Exactly. And you know, uh, you must obviously know the sweet spots all the time, too, without even looking, just a slight roll. Okay, I need more treble. I can bring in I can bring in a, a B rig or a, you know, a left rig or whatever the case may be. Yeah, the uh, gentleman who mixed, uh, uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. I, I drove for 10 hours yesterday. I'm still not aware. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, our, he, he mixed uh, the uh, Sons of Apollo record and all the Winery Dogs yeah. records. I apologize. It'll come to me. But, That's uh, okay. He said, uh, uh, I met him at the NAMM show for the first time after he had mixed uh, the first Winery Dogs record. And I said, man, everybody that listened to the record, they love the bass tone. All my friends from the old days said, this is how the bass should sound. This is how it sounded back in the day. I, I, go, I go, what did you do? And he goes, I took the three faders, which was uh, uh, a direct, your distortion thingy and your low end thingy, put, put them all at zero and didn't touch it. No way. I mean, that sounds, it's, I mean, you, you should say, I did this, I put the flux capacitor in here, and I did this, and I did this. Meanwhile, he just leveled everything at Unity pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. So, so it was, uh, uh, it's good to have, uh, to know that you have control of it, but it's also nice to know that what, what you're doing is getting out front. Because I have done, I did a tour one time uh, that I won't mention, but uh, the sound man was, uh, aligned with a musician that was not a Billy Sheehan fan by the furthest stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and uh, somebody was out front and they came back while I was on stage. So I said, your bass is off. It's not even on at all in the PA one. It's not even on. And so and that was one of the last shows of that tour. And I said, well, one good thing, that'll be the last show. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> happened. So, well, every, anyway, the first 20 rows could probably hear it pretty well. And it was well balanced because yeah. I was doing it. 
but at least we uh, we took care of that. Fantastic. Listen, we'll wrap up here in a second. You've been very gracious with the time, uh, especially with the uh, the technical problems we had there as well. But there's a few comments over in the chat. Uh, Citizen Kane said, and I apologize, I, I've missed a bunch of people earlier in the other chat. We lost them with the technology here. But uh, Citizen Kane says, can't believe it's Billy Sheen. I'm not worthy. Uh, Max Curtin says, hey, Billy, I've heard the dogs will be writing a new album in the summer. Is it true? Is that something you can comment on or you cannot comment on? I'm not sure when it's going to be. Okay. Uh, so- Summer is pretty jam, but I'm hoping if Mike and Richie are available and ready to go, because we're all we're all ready to go. It's just a matter of uh, Richie's uh, having a blast doing a solo thing, and he's being awesome. So, and yeah. I got the Mike with Sons of Apollo, but Winer Dogs is my favorite band. I really love Mr. Big in my heart and soul. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's a thing. But there's a thing about a three piece band that comes to me in my old days of Talis. Yeah, and Winer Dogs is very much like that. So. That's my favorite band. So as soon as possible, very much. And the gentleman has said he's not worthy. You certainly are worthy. <laughs> That's awesome. Wayne's world moment here. Um, <laughs> speaking of Sons of Apollo, you guys are coming our way very soon, end of April. So Junior and I, even though he's not going to get to see you in Toronto there, I think it's at the Opera House, I think. Uh, but we're going to come down and we'll, we'll text you to come by, at least come by and meet you and say hi. Great, great. Yeah, if you fun. want to bring a camera down and film some stuff or check out the rig, I can I can scroll you through my live setup as okay, well. Okay, I'll do that. I'll bring some camera gear and we'll do that and, we'll, and then we'll just exit the building before uh, you do sound check and stuff like that. That'd be That'd cool. That'd be great. Yeah. I live, I live in Buffalo. We played uh, Toronto all the time. The gas works, yeah. Piccadilly Tube, uh, a zillion uh, uh, clubs there. Larry's Hideaway was the first place we played. And we always had a great affection for that city. Uh, so I'm really happy we're coming back there. We were talking earlier. We were talking about the Tim Hortons, you know. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I mean, I'd never had Tim Hortons before. We did a little run with the band The Fell, and we were up in Canada. And I finally got to add some Tim Hortons and uh, and some poutine, too. But everybody got on it. It wasn't really the, the good stuff. So, okay. So I'll, I hopefully I'll get some proper and, uh, and Canada, in Canada, the tour, the tour promoters route their tours based on Tim Horton locations. <laughs> uh, Jay, Jason Sedite says he believes Jay Rustin was the one who makes the records. Is that Jay sound? Rustin? Yeah. I can't. I'm sorry, Jay, and he's a dear friend, and I love him, and I feel like an idiot now, or more of an idiot now. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Jay Rustin, genius uh, mixer. Good. I think he just mixed in, uh, live, Mr. Big Live in Milano uh, record, and he's on all. He mixed the uh, live and. Uh, the live Mr. Big uh, DVD video live in uh, Santiago, Chile. Oh. Uh, uh, and both Mr. Big, or both Winery Dogs records, and he's just great. I love his, uh, I love his mixes. Everyone does. He's he's getting his schedule is getting pretty jammed up. So <laughs> if you want a Jay Rustin mix, you better go quick. He's he's awesome. I've got the live DVD, a CD and DVD set. Uh, Mike Portnoy sent me uh, when when he came on the show. It's of you guys. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, was it? Yeah, it was. So that was the one he sent me that one, and, and we love it. Junior and I are watching it. It's phenomenal. And there's a question or a comment in the chat. Uh, Marshall G-Man says, my band had the pleasure of opening for Billy with the fell, and our jaws were on the floor when you checked your bass. He says, pure tone. Great. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and Max Carton says, we'll be seeing Sons of Apollo live in a few months in Belgium at the Grass Pop. Uh, yeah. Grass Pop Festival. Yeah. And Shumanati says, I've never heard of a box of coffee until I went to Tim Hortons. So you probably don't know about this without checking out Tim Hortons a lot. But at Tim Hortons, you can buy a box of coffee for like, it's a big thing. And you take it to your office and you pour all your cups for your workers and stuff. So pretty cool. cool. Hey, box backstage in, a, in, a, in Toronto. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Uh, I Jeff- wanted to mention that we, uh, we're, uh, Mr. Big is going to be doing shows uh, this summer, too. Good. We have 
it, we had uh, a bunch of shows booked prior to uh, losing our, sadly, losing our drummer, Pat. That's so sad. Your friend, too. Uh, my closest musical friend for over 30 years. Yeah, so, uh, so in his honor, we're going to finish these shows off. Uh, pretty much after that, we're, we're not planning on doing any Mr. Big. I'm sure uh, Eric and Paul and I, and maybe with Matt as well, uh, are doing an amazing job on drums, uh, may get together here and there to do some shows. Sure. Cause we have a lot of love for each other within the band, but uh, so we'll be we're doing the Mr. Big shows this summer. On one of the festivals, I'm not sure what it is, but I think Mr. Big and Sons of Apollo play on the same day. Oh, won't that be something? That'd be great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find a videographer to just follow me around. Sure. All day, do both shows and just kind of uh, film it just to just to oh, document. Yeah. My, my, the day I did two shows. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. That will certainly be awesome. Yeah. Paul's coming on the show next month, which is nice. Finally got him on the show. So he's coming next month. I'm really looking forward to it. Like the guitar players here on, on the EVH show just love him to death, as I do. I remember the old days, the REH videos, those video cassettes going over and pentatonic oh, lights. You know? Right. That'd be so great. Awesome. awesome. Uh, listen, let's t- why don't you take us out? First of all, before I go to the next thing, Paul Tucker says, Billy, thanks for representing the bass community at Line 6. More bass, he says. Beautiful. All right. You want to wanna take us out with a riff? I'll turn my H9 Solid. That was solid. All nonsense. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, that's okay, man. Rocking it. Thank you so much for your time today, especially coming back from uh, you know a vacation, long drive. I will Great. come and see you in Toronto. I'll bring Junior down. Uh, you, you got to say hi to him earlier tonight. I'll come down and see you next month. We'll hang out for a little bit, and uh, I'll get you some good poutine and good coffee. I promise. It'll be on me, and we'll look forward good. to seeing you. So we'll, I'll be in touch with you to t- over some time. We'll talk about some more of those patches. But thank you, Billy, for uh, gracing my fans here on the show with your presence. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, to everyone uh, listening or watching or in the chat room, uh, I've been playing for a long time. And uh, I'm, I'm nothing without you all. So I appreciate very much coming to see uh, shows and uh, supporting me for through so many years. I, I don't look at fans as fans. I look at them as my friends. And yes. I appreciate all of them very, very much. So, so thank you all. You're a real gentleman, Billy. I, I, I really like. I've, I've watched you closely through social media and how you interact with your. You know, you, we call them fans, but your friends. And they really uh, are. They, yeah, the, you have a really, really cool interaction with them, and they, it's a really nice uh, 360 of, of friendship. So, thank you so Beautiful. much for everything you do for the business and taking time for the little people like us here and <laughs> do these little shows. So, so thank you. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. I'm gonna say goodbye. 
We'll do it again, and uh, let me know if you need me for anything. I will for sure. Stick on the air for a quick second. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, thank you so very, very much for watching uh, this uh, presentation of the Helix Hour back next Sunday, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with Jason Sedites. We're going to talk about creating patches. We're going to try to create one live on the fly and let you download it before the end of the show. It should be fun. So, Billy, don't go away. See you real soon, everyone. Happy Sunday to you all. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, EVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.